Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. One of the, the juiciest, most interesting things he said about the Browns was that he wanted a hug from Nick Chubb. That's what he said. That's what he closed off with. He was like, I want a big hug. He said it'd be a great gift, a big hug from Nicholas Chubb. I think it's fascinating because everyone's waiting on to see, you know, feeling dangerous, all this hype, and he's just, he's not giving it to the media at all, and I, I kind of love it. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends, Kristen Balboni, Will Bryan, and Darren Gant. Good morning, NFL Week 1 regular season. I'm your host, Adrian Cronauer. No, I'm not. I'm Darren Gant, and that's a dated pop culture reference. That nobody in this room gets. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. Go look it up later, kids. It'll be funny then. Um, it is the happy half hour. We are 33% less happy today. Kristen Balboni's on special assignment, but I'm here, and Augusta Stone is here. And, oh, look, the bad penny turned up again. It's Will. I don't get that reference either. (laughs) Things that turn up often. Ah, there it is. Here I am. Oh, man. Welcome back. We're off to a roaring start. Will Bryan's here, everybody. Panther stats guy. It's it's nice. It's been been good listening to Augusta fill in. I mean, it, you know, we have real reporters in this room now, more than just the guy that you know, hits buttons on a website and says, Lou, look at me, I have a stat. I'd say the numbers thing you do is quite is quite real reporting. Honestly, it's at that cusp of reporting because, you know, the journalists hate math thing. You know, you got that going. They're for not me, good so. at math. I I'm will tell you that. Okay. Fun fact about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you this without any hesitation. Um, this website don't get put out if it's not for Will Bryan. Uh, I could write stories all day long. The, the greater website and app product that so many of you people enjoy at Panthers.com and the Panthers app would not be the same without this guy. So um, that being said, that's about as nice as I'm going to be to you today. Okay. It's week one. Is, isn't it weird? Am I the only one that's a, in, a, in a kind of funny headspace because it's like we're spinning 100 miles an hour all preseason building up to the thing, and now that the thing's here, I'm unusually calm because – we're in a good spot. Our plan has now carried through to its logical conclusion. The game is here. We've written some of the stories. More of the stories are coming uh, this week on Panthers.com about all the stuff you want to read, but it's it's like tangible now. There, there is a team that a lot of people are interested in coming here with a quarterback that everyone's interested in, my wife included, NC State grad and Howard Bryan. Loves her some Jacoby Brissett. She's been following his career all through the Colts, now with the Browns. Very excited to see him. 
Oh wait, is that what we're talking about? Sure. Yeah, that's Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, Where everybody's right? fired up about Jacoby Brissett. I actually kind of thought about setting up this podcast and and seeing if we could do a Baker free podcast. The answer is no. We will not do a Baker free <laughs> podcast because it's Baker Mayfield week, everybody. Sure it, is. It's the thing, and you know, yesterday he has a press conference and. You know, says the things he planned to say, and he's not going to light any fires. Baker's on his best behavior, but here's what we know for sure. Baker Mayfield would enjoy beating his previous employer. This is a common motivational ploy used by football players, but especially this guy. And it, it's it's kind of funny, and it's against what we are conditioned to expect because Baker's not up here frothing at the mouth, you know, screaming like a lunatic, planting flags doing all those things before the game. Is he going to do anything after the game? I don't know. That's why we watch, just to see what's going to happen. But he has been remarkably restrained all week. I mean, you were sitting there yesterday. I mean, it's funny to me how he's running against type. It's He knows what everybody's expecting, and he's just blatantly refusing to play along right now. It's kind of hilarious because, in a way, is that not more interesting than, like, what you'd expect? You know what I mean? Like, when he's up there and he's all buttoned up and – Yesterday, I mean, one of the the juiciest, most interesting things he said about the Browns was that he wanted wanted a hug from Nick Chubb more than anything. Nicholas Chubb. That's what he said. That's what he closed off with. He was like, I want a big hug. He said it'd be a great gift, a big hug from Nicholas Chubb. And it's like, when you say like Baker on his best behavior, this is like Baker like going to his grandmother's house, you know, letting her crochet something for him. And yeah. it's he's just he's it's it's kind of it's kind of funny against the grain in a way where it's like. I don't know. I think I think it's fascinating because everyone's waiting on to see, you know, feeling dangerous, all this hype. And he's just he's not giving it to the media at all. And I, I kind of love it. in a way. He also made a comment about how he's not here to uh, make T-shirts, which I think was a dig just at Darren, because we know Darren is pretty much just here to make and give out T-shirts to oh, his friends. True. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> Subtle uh, jab. Do, do you have a friend of the mailbag T-shirt? I do. Do you have a friend of the mailbag? I sure do. Okay, then that's you know, (laughs) and I don't want to hear anything about my T-shirt. So I almost um, wore it today. But you know, and Team Baker has a T-shirt of their own, and Mm -hmm. you know, he kind of laughed about the subliminal messages. But that one's right up there in everybody's face. I mean, it's the low-hanging fruit this week. It's the thing that's going to bring national attention to this game. Um, oddly enough, the NFL schedules certain things certain ways. Now, this schedule came out months before Baker Mayfield landed here, but this was going to be interesting one way or another. And I just – there's so much about this game that in the non-Baker category, and that's kind of wanted to, what I wanted to hit on today is what is the non-Baker thing you're most interested to see? Damian Wilson. Like, I, Tell me more. I, I think – this run defense, and obviously, you know, there's a lot that has to do with with the guys up front, with that defensive line, with Derek Brown, um, with with Burns and Etor, with how they're going to be set up. But yet again, there's a new name at middle linebacker ever since Luke Keekley retired that no one really knows, mm-hmm. and it's like, who's that guy? I remember when Luke was stopping the run, and when TD was out there stopping the run. Who is this guy? And I think Wilson and Corey Littleton and having Shaq back, that group right there, and obviously Frankie Louvu, who can make a lot of plays, there there's going to be a lot of eyes on them. I would put my eyes on them because this is a very good running team. Cleveland finished, what, fourth, fifth in, in running and rushing last year? Like, and we, we already said it, Nick Chubb, I mean, Kareem Hunt, those guys are good. 
and can this team stop the run? Because as much as they talked about the second-ranked defense last year, a lot of that kind of fell on its face when they really needed a stop and people put the ball on the ground. Right. Yep. I, I mean, last year, it's so easy and so misleading for them to talk about, oh, second-ranked defense in the NFL. Because it was, yes, yeah, statistically speaking, by total yards allowed per game over a 17-game season, that is correct, but – Run defense last year was not good, mm-hmm. and it they got caught playing small. They they strategically wanted to play fast rather than big, and it worked for a while in the sense that Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns got a bunch of sacks. But once the Dallas game came and went, the book was out on the Carolina Panthers, and it was you can line up and punch them in the face right up the middle, and they are ne- not necessarily equipped to stop you. And, and I think that is. I mean, you mentioned Damian Wilson – he is a bigger version of the guy they've plugged in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, Will's heard me talk a million times. There's not a city in the NFL other than Chicago that can even compare with the Carolina Panthers' lineage of middle linebackers. You go Sam Mills, Michael Barrow, you know, John Beeson, Dan Morgan, Luke Keekley. I mean, those are five iconic names right out of the shoot. And for the last couple of years, it's like, okay, what happens after Luke? They've just been guys. I mean, nothing against Tahir Whitehead, nothing against Jermaine Carter. And, and Damian Wilson is not one of those guys, but he's a bigger version of Tahir and and Jermaine. And I just think that's that was by design. They wanted to be more solid against the run. So you go get a 250-pound middle linebacker. You go get big old Henry Anderson, uh, who we haven't heard a lot from yet, but he's just gigantic. And he is a run-stopping defensive end who adds a little bit of something that they didn't have. So they've got kind of mix and match parts to try to combat what's obvious Obviously a big issue. And Phil Snow will talk about it today, and I'm sure that's going to be one of the main topics when he hits. But, all right, Augusta, what is your non-Baker thing you're most curious to see? I appreciate the emphasis on non-Baker. Um, I don't know if this is also a low-hanging fruit, but obviously with Iki Aquanu having his first welcome to the league moment up against Miles Garrett. I mean, I think that's been written and talked about ad nauseum, but it's hilarious. Or it's not hilarious, but it's wild, right? I mean, you you come in to the league and it's like, all right, buddy, here you go. Have fun. Have have fun with one of the most intense uh, just defenders in the league. I think it's one of those things where I think Panthers fans should expect growing pains. You shouldn't expect icky to come out and and be just an absolute beast immediately but I think you know you wrote about it and I think it was really well done about him going up against Brian Burns and how that that's helpful and I was watching him yesterday in practice you know going up against Brian Burns and I mean they're just going to get him as many valuable reps there as he can and and I mean it's a moment for icky even outside of that being the Charlotte guy getting his debut but it's like get your debut have all these emotions and then also have one of the toughest matchups you're going to have in the league first game and I think it'll be interesting to see how he how he shapes up and I'm not I don't think anyone should go in with these like crazy high expectations, but like also understand that like, he was six overall for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see that. I think that'll be exciting for from reasons off the field. His whole family will be here. He told me he had like 20, 25 people here from his from his life in Charlotte. I mean, just getting that moment, but also like on the field and X's and O's kind of stuff. Is grandma going to be here? Oh my That's goodness. What I don't I want know. To know. I don't even know if he knows. I asked him about it. I was like, so are y'all having like, you know, a get together or anything like that? He he was, he said, I'm not handling any of that. Like he's like, they'll my, be here. It'll be great. I'll see him afterwards. My so. suspicion <laughs> is the Venn diagram of people who listen to the happy half hour and people who watch Pan- 
Panthers Camp Confidential is a pretty tight circle. I'm guessing there's a strong overlap between our audiences. Grandma Aquanu makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Grandma Aquanu is the greatest thing that's happened. And just seeing her down in suites watching Icky's first game and going, Go Panther! It was <laughs> the greatest thing. If you, if you do, if that does not make you happy, you are not a person I want to be friends with. They so call him the Pancake Man. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't know what it means. And I, and I love whether it was Kyle or Dan, one of our guys behind the camera, had to explain to her that pancaking was the act of picking up a person and putting him flat on the ground. And her reaction was like, oh, you do. He did that. He picks him up and put. Yes, Grandma, that's what he does. She is delightful. That was, you know, there was so much good stuff in Camp Confidential this year. But Grandma Aquano just makes my spirit happy. So it's uh. You know, it's going to be exciting, and that's the thing. If not for that one thing over there, Icky in his first game would be probably the thing we would be beating into the ground over and over and over, and it's obviously a huge thing because, again, that's Miles Garrett over there. Play hard, kid. Uh, it doesn't get a lot tougher than this. He's going to see some dudes over the course of this year. He's going to have to get better, and there were some there were some hiccups uh, through the offseason in terms of the – pass rush and that kind of thing and and learning how to pass protect at an NFL level we know he's physical in the run game we know he's able to dominate people and pick them up and put them on the ground there you go grandma um but until he gets out there against a Miles Garrett and keeps it from turning into a three four sack game you know that's going to be a question mark so how icky plays is going to be obviously central to this game what about that other first round pick the guy that got the red shirt first round pick, yeah, J.C. Red, Horn. Yeah, J.C. Horn. We will uh, have some more about him coming up this week on Panthers.com and his first game back and how he's handling the emotions of it all. Uh, but J.C. is fascinating to me because I, I just love the fact earlier this week, Matt Rule was sort of talking, you know, stream of consciousness. I think it was on Monday. And he said, we got a lot of veterans on this defense. You know, even though they're young, guys who've played a lot of football, like Brian Burns, like Jeremy Chin, like J.C. Horn. And I'm like, J.C. Horn is not a veteran. J.C. Horn (laughs) has not played a lot of football. You just included him with old people. He has played three football games. And, you know, unfortunately last season ended because of injury. And it's like one of those things you're almost afraid to talk about because it's like if we don't talk about it, it's not real. Um, but JC just exudes football guy, mm-hmm. you know, it's the thing the kids say, he has that dog inside of him, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Um, that's JC Horn. And he just carries himself as an adult, even though he's still really brand new at this. And it's been kind of interesting watching him this week because he's sort of, I think he wants to kind of blend into the woodwork and and let this thing come and go and and be in it so it started and then everything can be normal again. He, uh, I was looking yesterday. I didn't realize in those three games he only allowed a thirty nine point five right. NFL passer rating against. Yeah. I mean, like he had that interception against the Saints, which was a huge huge right. moment. Then only allowed one reception. I mean, he's like. 
He was on the way. You know, I mean, yes. yeah. He was on his way to being one of those guys. Yes. I mean, I don't want to be the one that coaches yell at for creating high expectations, but every team wants him a Jalen Ramsey. Every mm-hmm. team wants somebody that you can just put over there and erase half the field. And football coaches hate expectations when they're created outside the building. But J.C. was on his way to being one of those dudes. J.C. was – I mean, he's – in those three games, I think he kind of opened a lot of people's eyes like, oh, God, that's what it can look like. And I just think it's a, a function of him being born to the game. I mean, he grew up in Joe Horn's house. He w- had those workouts every day. He did all that stuff when he was eight years old that normal eight-year-olds don't do because they didn't grow up in an NFL household. And he just – he's I think because he grew up in that culture, that's why – he seems so natural in it now. It's just, yeah, I'm J.C. Horn. I've been here all my life, except only three games. Exactly like you mentioned. I mean, he just has that presence about him. Like, he's he's out there with, like, Dante Jackson and Jeremy Chin, and he just hangs around him, and it feels like he's been here. Like, it's hilarious. It's so interesting to me that it's like, oh, it's his second year, because it feels like he was, like, he's been embedded in these walls forever. Like, just the way he carries himself, and and I, I noticed that, too, and Matt Rule was like, oh, yeah, the guys that have been here three, four years, and, and like you said, J.C. Horn played three games last year, but it's just the guys, the guys' general, to use my word, vibe. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? He just has that, that feeling about him. I think he's 21 years old, if I'm not mistaken, 21 or 22. He's young. That's crazy. I mean, that's just – I just – I love it. Oh, my goodness. I love it. The, the, the young, irony. The young person hey. says, he's so young. I he's love younger that. younger than me. Younger than me. But, yeah, no, it's I, – I don't know. I just I, – I find that so – that and, like, what you said, too, about him, like, seeming like he almost wants to, like, embed himself. Like, he doesn't want to be a storyline. He's yeah. so – I'm one of the veteran guys. Yep, lump me there. You know, and it's like – and I, I love that. He's almost, like, trying to, like, you know, be like, okay, yeah, J.C. Horn, you know. Don't don't hype up too much, right. but how can you not? It's 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 really tough. So one of the quiet big things that happened in the last two weeks that listeners of this podcast probably picked up on, but may not have fully grasped its grasped its significance. This is the first time since 2019 that we've had open locker rooms, and Darren, who's been around this game a long time, knows what happened when we lost that. Yep. So I want to pull this up for you guys. What has that been like? in the last week or two and describe for people that were like, who cares? Like, why does it matter? Right. And and just so people know what happens is, and it's kind of written into the league rules as part of the media access policy. We are supposed to have three opportunities of about 45 minutes at a shot to go into the locker room, to be able to interview players in their natural environment. I know when we start talking about open locker rooms, everybody thinks it's weird and you guys want to go in while they're trying to take a shower. That's not it. Guys are in there. It's during the lunch period after practice is when it usually happens. So guys are checking their messages on their phone. They're relaxing. Some people are playing ping pong on one end of the room. It's kind of that break between – you know, practice and meetings later in the afternoon while they're changing gears and everybody's just getting a chance to rest and recharge a second. And we can go up to guys. We can get them one-on-one. A lot of times there's group interviews. Christian was talking yesterday. Christian draws a crowd. Dante Jackson draws a crowd. But you can also stop and talk to somebody on a one-on-one basis and actually get to know someone. You can learn about what they're thinking about a particular topic beyond the 15-second soundbite that TV cameras might want and keep it moving. 
I mean, there's certain people that walk in the locker room and all they want to know is, okay, I'm writing a story about Cleveland's run game. Say a thing about Cleveland's run game. And then they keep moving. But if you're in that setting, in a more comfortable setting, you can actually find things out that are interesting to me. For instance, I, yesterday I started talking to Eddie Pinheiro. And Eddie, Eddie says he's fine. Eddie's name popped up on the injury report. He says he's okay. Hopefully he is. Um, but I started talking to Johnny Hecker, the holder, and J.J. Jansen, the snapper. And I was like, how weird is it adjusting to a new kicker? What do you have to do? And they both explained to me, J.J. said, listen, it's way weirder for me to snap to a new holder than Mm. it is to snap to a new kicker. Mm -hmm. And I started talking to Hecker about it, and Hecker's like, oh, it's way tougher for me to adjust to a new snapper than a new kicker. Mm. And I didn't know that, and I didn't expect that. And I've been knocking around here for a while, and it makes sense to hear them explain it. But if we're on a Zoom call and Johnny Hecker's talking to everybody in the world for a prescribed seven minutes, I don't know that we get to that point. I don't know that we get to that understanding. It's not the biggest story in the world, but we're going to find stuff out from guys this year that we're going to be able to put in the streets on Panthers.com that fans are going to be like, oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. And that's the key. It's getting to know guys at a different level. And, Augusta, this is – I mean, you were – you are of a generation that COVID took a lot of valuable reps away from. Yeah. I mean, a lot of young reporters didn't get a lot of shots at locker room access and having this kind of protracted conversation with guys. So this is still a little new for you, too. But, I mean, you jump right in. I mean, there are days when you can talk to seven or eight guys at a time and come out with three days' worth of stories. What's it been like for you? Exactly. Well, I wanted to point out, just like you mentioned with, there's fans want to know like every little detail about their favorite teams. You know what I mean? And so I I sometimes, like I sat back, uh, it was Monday. So it was the first open locker room of like, you know, just practice regular season kind of thing. And I was watching uh, Cam Irving put on a sweatshirt, an FSU sweatshirt, Florida State. And his teammates were just going at him about the game the night before, the LSU game. And it was so fun to like watch that whole, you know, back and forth. And then that's a way for reporters I mean I'm very new and very young and so that was a way for me to be like oh my goodness you watched it and then we just talked about the game and it's like when you create those relationships with people they trust you and then you get to tell really cool stories and then also you know the fans when you are able to encapsulate things like that understand the vibes friendships dynamics stuff like that fans eat that up I mean as a fan of sports teams I'm like oh my goodness it's so fun that they do this or they're interested in that and they you know shoot the crap about that I just I love that whole dynamic of it so that's been really interesting but I am very very new to this um I graduated in 2021 so there is a lot of differences but um it's really cool it's really cool and like getting like there's times whenever I don't even you know go into it thinking about an interview and I'm just like hey you know what's up how are you and then it becomes something where they just say something that's really compelling or really interesting and and I'm getting to know the roster better that way you know people that they haven't brought up to the podiums have been some of my favorite people to talk to Ian Thomas I got to talk with him yesterday he's awesome he has not done a press conference since I've been here and he was such a nice cool insightful guy and I have some really interesting tidbits about uh things that he learned from Christian McCaffrey in a story that we'll be publishing very soon um that it's just fun I just it, you get those little details you get to get to know people and that's like the whole reason that I think a lot of reporters want to do it is you just want to you want to get to know them you want to share it with the fans so that they can also you know feel like they know their favorite athletes a little bit better I think that's fun and it's extremely valuable the, the job is to tell good stories absolutely and, and we can tell better ones when we've got that 
kind of access to guys. So we don't take it for granted. And, you know, a lot of players view it as an imposition. J.J. said something interesting the other day previously while Icky was talking in a big scrum, and he's like, listen, this fan base is going to get to know Icky in a way they never got to know Derek Brown and J.C. Horn mm-hmm. because the first-round picks can be out there on camera every week. They're going, People are going to see Icky's face a lot more often and see him in his natural environment, and it doesn't hurt that Icky is very good at talking, and he has things to say, and he's interesting, and, you know, he's he's got a certain thing about him that he is not necessarily uncomfortable in front of a camera. I mean, he – he has a charm. He has a wit about him that he's able to communicate on the fly. And you can ask him different things. And, you know, it's not like, let me think about that. Let me think about that. No, I mean, Icky's good on his feet. So um, I, I think it's a win-win for everybody. So that's our inside baseball, inside the locker room, media policy thing that's just going to drive our ratings through the roof. Oh, I yeah. know people love oh, yeah. all the about clicks. this stuff. You know, you know what people will come to this podcast for on a regular basis? Panthers stat guys stat of the week. Hit me. What do you got? I know you have yeah, one. Yeah, I did. You came in I here did. with one in your holster. Yeah, I knew I did. it. All right, so we made it through or we tried to make it through a whole podcast fakefully of not talking about Baker Mayfield, but we almost made it through a whole podcast without talking about that other guy, Chris McCaffrey. Remember him? Hey, he's good at football. Yeah, remember that guy? We should talk about him more. Since 2019, Christian McCaffrey, 136 scrimmage yards per game played. My God, that's 136 scrimmage yards. That's a lot of yards. When he's on the field, he moves, he matriculates the ball down the field at high rates. 136 yards per game. When you put it in that context, I mean, you understand. A that he's good at football, but B what they've been missing when yeah. he wasn't out there, and it's and it's not that's not the kind of thing one guy can replace. I mean, I, I feel bad almost at times for guys like Chuba Hubbard trying to fill in last year because to expect Christian McCaffrey production out of anybody, especially a last year rookie like Chuba, was unfair. And I mean, not anybody else in the league, not very many people are able to produce at that kind of level. So. You know, I I think we're all kind of – it's almost like the J.C. thing. It's like maybe if we don't talk about it, it won't be real and just kind of slide on through and get through this one. But obviously Christian's a huge deal for these guys. And and Matt said it the other day, you know, we're not going to be scared of what might happen because he's good. So we're going to hand him the ball. For for reference, that's first in the NFL, just in case anyone was wondering. Uh, Fifth in the NFL is Nick Chubb at 105. That's a lot fewer. Can you do you want to guess who two, three, and four are? Uh, this is since twenty nineteen. Since twenty nineteen, Alvin Kamara. Nope. Is he not on that list? Who nope. who are two, three, and four? Tell me. I was gonna let you guess. Do you want to guess one? I'm good. I'm good. Uh Derek Henry, second. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Third. And Jonathan Taylor. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty good company. That's yeah. what we're talking about in one Christian. McCaffrey, mm-hmm. good at football. So, Panthers stat guy, stat of the week. How about that? You know what? I like that enough. I want that to be a part of this podcast every <sighs> single week. He's doing it. He's pulling me back in. <laughs> 
Will's a busy guy, and here's the thing. Will's been on special assignment a lot lately. Um, a lot of assignments uh, that are very special. Many, many special assignments. Uh, Will wears a lot of different hats in this building to the extent that I think he needs about seven heads to be able to wear them all at the same time. And he gets busy, and helping us out on the podcast isn't always in the schedule. We're really glad he's here. And because he's here and giving us stat of the week, it just occurs to me that even if I walk around with a tape recorder and I'm like, all right, we got two minutes, stat of the week, hit me. What do you got? That we're going to make stat of the week a routine part of this podcast experience. So even if you're not sitting in this chair every week and I'm going to remain in denial because you'll be back, uh, you're going to be here every week. Matt, Whether Matt's, you're sitting in this room or not. Matt's going to look at our analytics and find that at the 27th minute of every podcast, when you there's play big, my recording, there's a big spike. Big spike yeah. up. Yeah. Straight That's up. Giving the people what they want. That's right. what we do. All right, so can I end this one? Yeah, Since I'm here. you can end it. All right, so Augusta, back in the day, in the heyday of, of this podcast, not that we're having a new heyday, <laughs> but in the old heyday, we used to have kind of like our, our random fun whatever thing this isn't all that random and it may not be that fun but i think it's interesting um i recently put up an album on panthers.com in case you were looking of some of the best photos from panthers wins in openers so i know darren remembers most of them darren's been around for all of them can you remember not a panthers one but maybe an opener through your athletic career playing following watching First game, sort of, oh, my God, what a game. What a moment. Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, I I was a band kid, so that's the first thing. So, personally, I'm trying to think of, like, an opener. Oh, my word, that's so tough. The first one that came to my mind wasn't an exciting game, per se, but I'm thinking about my first season opener when I was in the marching band in college. Okay. And it was against Austin P. so Georgia like absolutely crush up. Wait, wait, hold on. Yes. What did you play? I played trumpet. Trumpet. I did. Yes, I'm actually extremely proud of it, and I will talk about marching band all day long wow. if anyone lets me. Trumpet. But um, the thing I remember about it most, it was very, very hot, and the game got so out of hand that they did a running clock in the fourth quarter, and half of my buddies were like having to leave the stands to go behind. But and it was like one of those like like we were talking about with Icky, like welcome to you know welcome to the league. It was like my welcome to being in the college marching band in those long sleeves mm-hmm. and performing, and it was super hot. And everyone, I survived it, and I did not have to go underneath any bleachers. I stayed hydrated, but. Um, I remember whenever the fourth quarter came around, everyone was like, please do a running clock. And they actually did in the season opener. I thought that was hilarious. But that's like the first thing that comes to mind when I think of season openers. Because everything after that was a breeze because I wasn't burning. Yeah. So, yeah. But I, I'll talk about marching band all day long. Shout out to anybody who's listening to this that was in marching band. Go We're dogs. all together. Oh, sick them. Always. Um, I'll, I'll go next and I'll let you take it home. So, my very first game, I wasn't there, but my very first game as a Panthers intern was the 2008 season. And I'm on the couch of my buddy's house that I was renting and watching this game out in San Diego, having followed this team all through the preseason, you know, knowing all the players so excited. It's my first time working in the NFL, and this game is going up and back, and I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening? And they finally get this this last drive. They're wearing the, the blue jerseys. Uh, Ron Rivera and Norv Turner were on the opposing sideline, which is incredible um, in hindsight. And Jake DeLome pumps, and this is actually the only time the Panthers have ever won a game 
at the buzzer. There's always been at least one second left. There was no time left on the clock when he pumped and found Dante Rosario, a.k.a. Rosario Dawson, in the back of the end zone for that win. Everyone talks about 2003. Obviously, it was incredible, the Jacksonville game. But that one was an incredible moment. I, I jumped over the couch, was screaming. like That was a really, really cool way to start what became a playoff year. Yeah, there's been some stuff. And you mentioned 03. I mean, yeah, they're down at halftime to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they pull their starting quarterback, and some kid named Jake DeLome comes in the game. And things got weird, and things stayed weird, and they were exciting all year long. And we'll see what happens this year. We do not know what's in store. We do not know what we're going to get from Baker against his old team. But you know what? The not knowing, that's why we watch. And that is why we listen to the happy half hour each and every week. We appreciate you guys joining us. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.